Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. A man, a woman, and a cat live in a house together. But when a mysterious object manifests in the middle of their kitchen, they're all puzzled as to who laid the egg. Then we travel to a private nursing home that has a bit of an overcrowding problem. Other than all of the people they're taking care of to get better, and the ones who are there for hospice care as they're getting ready to pass away. The workers soon realize that the place is also full of the spirits of dead kids. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are all finding a way to beat the heat. <laughs> You're like, I'm listening to this podcast in December. I wish there was heat to beat. Well, someone who's always good at beating stuff up, coming in, raging bull, punching everyone in the face. Everyone give a round of applause too. Hi me. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! Walking punch in the face. Oh, stop it, stop it, bro. Wee! We're so clapping though. Jaime, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Jaime actually recently interviewed me to write a college essay on me. That was really cool. That was really, really awesome. And he was a really nice guy. We talked at length about it, about the essay, obviously. And then um, one of the questions was, what's been the highlight of your journey so far as far as like downloads go or certain thresholds? And I thought about it and I go... Honestly, doing something like this, like being interviewed for a school paper, like who would have thought, who would have thought, right, that some old pug like me, some old bloke like Jason Garbiner would ever get a paper written on him. It's 12 pages long, by the way. He sent it to me. I've been trying. I, I'm so busy. I've read, read a little bit of it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know. I'm pretty sure I know how it ends. I live. Spoiler alert. But yeah, no, it's really, really cool. Who would have thought? That someone read a college paper on me. So I mean, you're gonna that that is while I'm still around, not after my many crimes, not when it's some kids taking a uh, class in counterterrorism. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna profile Jason Carpenter. Uh, not that actually. Now that I think about it, I haven't finished it. It might get pretty saucy in the middle. Jaime, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, if you guys can't do homework about me, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so so much. Jaime, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. Everyone hop on board this old bucket of rust as Jaime takes us out of Dead Rabbit Command and drives us all the way out to a house in the suburbs. Let's take a look at this story. This happened several years ago. We don't have any real names or locations for the story. But Melissa, we're going to call her Melissa and her husband Bill... They live in a little home with their little cat, Sammy. Meow, meow. We haven't hit the cat's name off. Oddly enough, we know Sammy is there. Let's all pet Sammy. Pet Sammy. Pet, keep scratching him behind his ears. Sammy hangs out at home alone 
while Melissa and Bill go to work. They work at the same place, so that makes the commute much easier, right? Let's hop in the car, wee! And also eliminates really any possible suspects for this absolutely bizarre story. So we're as they leave, we're scratching Sammy, we're playing, throwing toys at him and stuff like that. He's like, ah! He's in the litter box, and we're like, play with us, play with us! He's like, ah, I'm pooping! We're annoying their cat. They're gone for the day. But on this particular day, several years ago, Melissa said, me and Bill, we came home. We came home at the exact same time like we always do. We walk into the house together. And in the kitchen is an egg. (laughs) Jason, that's where they normally are. I'd be concerned if there was an egg in the bedroom. A yawny egg. There's an egg sitting, it's not in the fridge, it's not in the basket of eggs that weirdos have because they don't refrigerate their eggs. And now comes all the comments about how you're, you don't have to. Anyways, it's gross. Eggs are gross in general, but unrefrigerated eggs are the worst of all. There's an egg, not in the weird basket, not in the fridge like a normal human. The egg, this egg, is sitting in the middle of the kitchen floor. And it's a chicken egg. It's uncracked. So it's not like someone dropped it. It's just sitting in the middle of the kitchen. Now, Melissa goes, we don't like eggs. We're normal people. We think they're just as disgusting as Jason does. We don't like eggs. In fact, if we do need eggs, because we don't ever eat them, but if we do need eggs... We have this kind of gross, this kind of a gross, just don't eat eggs. Just don't eat anything with eggs in it. They said, we don't eat eggs. We have a little cardboard box of egg whites. It's like you pour it out like a pancake, I presume. They go, we have that in our freezer. So, so they just have a cardboard box of frozen eggs. And if they want, hey, honey, what do you want for breakfast this morning? I don't know, something with an egg in it. She'll reach into the freezer, pull it out, <laughs> sit there, wait four hours. He's like, oh, I'm starving. They want to defrost. She makes something with an egg in it. She goes, we don't have any eggs. We don't have any eggs at all. We just have those liquid eggs. And they're not even liquid. They're in a solid state. So it was puzzling, right? Cats don't lay eggs. Cats couldn't bring in a whole chicken egg, right? If it was a blue jay egg, maybe the cat got it in his little paws and carried it in. We'd probably crush it, probably eat it, right? Little baby bird, gobble it up. No, it's a perfectly good chicken egg sitting in the middle of their kitchen floor. And they're like, what in the world? Which is what you would, you would be puzzled. You Jason, this is the whole story. I can think of a dozen reasons. How I challenge you, I challenge you to think of three good possible reasons that an a uncracked egg would be in the middle of a kitchen. Oh, I don't know why I sound so mean. I sound like I'm challenging you. If you came home and there was an uncracked egg and you didn't have it, okay, it's a bad hypothetical. You're like, I work at a chicken farm. I know how they get in here. Anyways. No chicken, there's no feathers, nothing like that. Foghorn, leghorn, ain't walking around the backyard. There's just a perfectly good chicken egg sitting in the middle of the floor. Now, they are completely puzzled by this. There's really no good reason why it should be there. So, Melissa picks it up and throws it in the trash. 
puzzled, right? But you know what are you gonna do? You're gonna take it to the vet and go, "What is this?" And they're like, "It's an egg. It's obviously an egg. You could ask any adult. I'm gonna charge you two hundred dollars just because you walked in the door, but it's an egg. It's a chicken egg. What are you gonna do?" They threw it away. They go about their day. They go to bed. They wake up. They go to work the next morning. The very next day, they come home from work. Chicken egg. There's a chicken egg. No joke. No joke. This is what this person said. There's a chicken egg sitting in the middle of their kitchen floor. And they know it's neither of them. They've been... I mean, okay, I guess one of them, while they're at work, being like, Hey, boss, can I take an extra long lunch today? Yeah, sure. Why, Bill? Uh, <laughs> egg-related. The boss is all, say no more, good sir. Yeah, take the rest of the day off. One of them could have gotten the car. Well, Melissa's the one who posted this story. She posted online as the name Sammy Hammy 24 but you could have figured maybe Bill came home, maybe it's that practical joke, the egg joke that we've all seen. Possible, right? But they both come home, assuming every detail in the story is true, they both come home the next day, there's a perfectly good, uncracked chicken egg sitting in the middle of their floor. And and it's weird, because if the egg was cracked, that would make a little more sense. Then you could blame the cat or a kid threw it through the window or something like that. There's jagged glass everywhere. They're like, oh yeah, we left out that detail. But... An uncracked chicken egg sitting in a house that doesn't have eggs in the middle of the kitchens. Absolutely. It is bizarre. It's super weird. So they come home the second day and there's this egg sitting on the floor. Now, what's interesting, I I didn't think about this because I find eggs so repulsive. But Melissa said the second time the egg showed up, Bill and I kind of looked at each other and we said, should we crack it? Should we crack it open and see what see what it is? Like, obviously now, twice in a row, the first time, a puzzling event. The second time, now you're thinking, like, voodoo curse? Alternate reality where a chicken farm was established in... I don't even think, I don't even think they're thinking like that. They have no idea what it could be. But you have this chicken egg, now two days in a row, in a house of no eggs sitting on the kitchen floor. They discussed whether or not they should crack it open. Maybe a leprechaun will pop out. Maybe, most likely, it'll just be chicken egg yolk. But they think about it. And they decide against it. And they throw the egg in the garbage. And she said it's never happened again. Two days in a row, this chicken egg has appeared. This is one of those stories that you go, what could it be? We talk a lot about paranormal timelines. Yesterday, we did a story kind of like that. But, so, I mean, it's possible that there's another version of the world where some guy's like, dude, I swear that I bought a dozen eggs. I know how many's in a dozen. I'm not an idiot. But there's only ten eggs here. But even then, like, what is causing this? And what would you do if you came home? Think about something you don't own. Maybe you don't own, like, a mousetrap. <laughs> you come home, there's... Okay, that would be more alarming. There's a mousetrap sitting in the middle of your kitchen. Sammy's like... Rawr, 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 rawr. You're like, what? <laughs> I don't know cats can talk. You're in the cat-talking dimension. Now, what could it be? 
And it's puzzling. It's paranormal because we don't know what the answer would be. It's also incredibly mundane. I think it would have been interesting had they cracked the egg, but who knows what would have come out of that? Who knows what this was an egg of? Sure, it looked like a chicken egg, but who knows? And you go, Jason, yeah, I guess that's paranormal. I also think your intense hatred of eggs. I think you, you'd find any egg story paranormal. But so, so maybe, maybe I'll allow that. But Jaime, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're leaving behind this house. Let's head out to one other house. We get to this other house and we're about to meet this 11-year-old boy. Let's call him Joey. Joey says... I hate, this sounds insane. All the stuff that I say about eggs being disgusting, there's a lot of people on my side because they come right out of a chicken's body, just warm. I imagine like steam comes off of them. And at one point someone goes, I'm eating that. And the other cavemen are like, what? He's like, I'm eating that. That just came out of that chicken. Look how warm it is. He died. He choked. They didn't try it again for another thousand years. And some other guy goes, you know what I'm eating that? And they're like, what? The legend, the legends have told us don't. You'll die. And he goes, yeah, but what if I didn't eat the hard part? What if I'm smarter than my ancestor and I eat the yolk? Because we step on them sometimes, right? And the cavemen are like, yeah. And when we step on them, they're quite fragile. And then there's just like white and yellow stuff sitting on the ground. And the ants eat it. Because we, we don't clean up after ourselves or cavemen. And the other cavemen are like, yeah, I guess. Like, if the ants eat it, we can probably eat it. That's good, that's good logic, caveman scientist. So he sees this chicken plop out this egg and he cracks it and gobbles it up. He dies, he dies of, like, salmonella. I don't think you can just eat raw yolk. Well, I guess Rocky did, but he's also a fictional character. Eventually, though, that's how we became an egg-fueled society. That, that, but I understand why they're discussing, because they are. This guy, Joey, hates Oreos. Oreo cookies are his eggs. He thinks they're disgusting. They're delicious, but whatever. He's, he's wrong. He thinks Oreos are gross. He hates, he's 11 years old, too. I can understand you being like a health nut in your 30s and being like, no, I don't need hydrogenated oil, so I'm not going to eat Oreos. At 11 years old, you should be eating as many Oreos as possible. Your stomach can stand them at that point. Anyways, he hates Oreos. He thinks they're disgusting. Nothing but sea salt taffy for this young lad. He hates Oreos. He goes, we don't have any Oreos in the house. (laughs) Jason, he's going to come home. (laughs) There's an Oreo on the floor. That's much more believable. Everyone loves Oreos. So it makes sense that one would magically appear just through sheer, sheer uh, law of attraction. Someone's manifesting an Oreo at some point. No, it's a little more detailed than that, actually. He hates Oreos. He goes, we have no Oreos in the house. None. I hate them. But one night, I had a vivid dream. (laughs) I had a vivid dream of gorging myself on Oreo cookies. All the little, like, chocolate crumbs rolling down his face. I need more. It's not enough. Opens up another package of the double-stuffed Oreos. He goes, you know what would be amazing? He makes a quadruple-stuffed Oreo. He gets it patented in his dream, gorging himself on Oreos. Which is kind of funny if you ate something. I've never had a dream where I, I loved eggs. 
Om nom nom. He eats them all up. And then he wakes up. He wakes up and he's like, oh, what a crazy dream that was. Huh? His mouth is covered in Oreos, the remains of Oreos. And he goes, there was Oreo crumbs all over my face, all over my pillow. He goes, I hate Oreos. Everyone knows I hate Oreos. This must have been some sort of prank. Someone must have tried to asphyxiate me on Oreos last night. How else could all this stuff appear? He's all like wiping it off his face like, get away, get away, gross stuff. Oreo crumbs all over his face, Oreo crumbs all over his pillow. And he goes, I was, he, he goes, listen, this is true. He's telling us this is true. It's posted online by someone going by the name Spirit Wanderer 07. He goes, I, I woke up. I was not dreaming anymore unless life is but a dream. And I'm still dreaming while I'm posting this. He goes, I woke up and I'm wiping off the crumbs from my face they're all over his pillow it's kind of a funny prank if you think about it but he said i then searched through the entire house and there were no oreo wrappers anywhere to be seen he goes he actually went through the garbage cans he called them bins so i think he's probably from britain but he's searching around he didn't find any oreo cookie wrappers now this one (laughs) there's a key detail missing (laughs) does he have any older brothers because this could easily have been a prank And they carried away their evidence. It's possible. This one's closer to maybe being a prank. But he could have been an only kid. He could have been an orphan. He could have been living alone. Living alone in a shack somewhere. We don't know. It's possibly a prank. But it could be paranormal. This story in and of itself. If it existed by itself. It's kind of funny. I actually found both of these stories around the same time. Maybe even the same post. I think this was one of those ones. What's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? So... The Oreo one could easily be chalked up to a prank. The parent, the egg one it leans more towards the paranormal just because there's no one in the home to do that. But are these two things related? It's interesting. They're both food related in a way. Eggs kind of a food and Oreos definitely a food. Hi, Amy. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind these two houses wave goodbye to everybody they i don't even know what how to make sense of those stories they're just weird and i love them jaime fly us all the way out to the united kingdom in the united kingdom somewhere in the united kingdom we don't have an exact location there's a house that doubles as a private nursing home you have people sitting there being like, oh, my legs hurt. Uh, nurse, nurse, may I get some more pudding, please? And the nurse is like, one pudding coming up. Here you go, Charles. Ah, oh, delicious. Thank you. Thank you. My legs don't hurt anymore. That's all I need. I need a little potassium. He gets up and leaves. It's a private nursing home where they have not just the sick or the infirm, but it also doubles as a hospice. So when you're dying and the hospital's like, well, you got a couple options. <laughs> Living is not one of them. And you're like, oh man, that was my first option. Yeah, that's everyone's first option. You're going to die, but you have a choice. You can die here in this hospital 
with all these beeping noises and a roommate that changes every three days because either he gets better or he dies. So, yeah, to be kind of depressing. They're like, yeah, most people don't choose the hospital setting. Plus, it's very expensive. You can be at the hospital or you can go into hospice care. It's kind of like more a relaxed place to die. If you're going to die anywhere, you know, a little house in Britain, tea, people are bringing you tea constantly, sitting there eating biscuits and watching the telly. Not a bad way to go. Well, there's this woman. Her name is Megan. She's 27 years old, and she's a nurse. She actually has a specialty that she does work in the hospital at, but for a little extra cash, she works at this private nursing home. She's telling us that Megan's not her real name. I made up that name. She didn't give her name. She goes, in the winter of 2022 at this hospice that I'm working at, or this uh, private nursing home, doubles as a hospice, this new resident moved in, and Megan says, I can't give you her real name. Obviously, it's against the law, but we'll call her Jenny. Megan names her Jenny. She goes, Jenny moved in, and Jenny had terminal bowel cancer. There's three words. Those three words by themselves are awful, but all combined... Horrible terminal bowel cancer, and the cancer had spread throughout her body, and she had cancer in her brain. So, this is end of life care for Jenny, just keeping her comfortable. They're giving her a bunch of pain medication, probably tons of tea and biscuits, watching Faulty Towers or something like that. So, she moved in winter of 2022. A couple months later, now we're in January of 2023. Jenny starts getting really agitated. She's getting freaked out about stuff. This is part of dying, right? Plus, this is part of being on a massive amount of opioids. She was doped to the gills. You want to keep her comfortable. Megan said, Jenny, I started acting really weird. We would take Jenny out of her room... And, you know, hang out in the living room, stuff like that. Play checkers or chess or Othello or whatever. And then when it was time to go to bed, all of the people were slowly ushered back into their rooms. Or fastly, depending on how spry they were. Megan would take Jenny back to her room. Once they'd get back to the room, once they'd walk in, Jenny would, like, look around to where she was walking. She was taking very careful steps. Megan's just walking into the room just like a normal person, a normal non-dying person just walking in. And Jenny spun around and goes, watch out, watch out. And it, it's shocking, right? The house is super quiet. It's all of these sick people in it. It's pretty quiet. It's a pretty quiet place. It's a pretty good place if you want to sit and do crossword puzzles all day long. Megan's like, what's going on? And Jenny would scream, watch out, watch out. You're going to step on the children. You're going to step on the children. Don't step on the children. Megan's like, what in the world are you talking about? And Jenny would scream every night when they would take her to her room. It would be about two things in particular. One, don't step on the children. Be careful of the children. You're going to bump into the children. There are no children. There are no children there, by the way. Guess I should have said that. Megan looked around. The room was empty. I mean, this place is dead quiet. No pun intended. This late at night. No kids. There's no definitely no kids. I'm sure visitors showed up every once in a while. But not now. Not in Jenny's room. She'd be like, watch out for the kids. You're going to step on the kids. Don't knock them over. 
And the other thing she would constantly yell about was, don't, don't, don't step there. You're going to fall in the river. Don't, oh, oh no, you're going to bump that little kid into the river. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, child. And Megan, she, so here's the thing. Like on the one hand, at first you're like, okay, I won't step on the kids. And you just want to get Jenny back to bed. But this behavior continued. So they began to ask Jenny, like what she was seeing. Like, what are you actually, is there something, (laughs) stop screaming at me. Is there something you can tell me before we enter the room? And he begins screaming at the top of your lungs, what's going on? And Jenny goes, there's a river in my room. There's a river that runs, (laughs) spoiler alert, there's no river either. You're like, oh, this is a pretty crazy house. Architectural marvel. There's no river, there's no kids. Jenny goes, in my room there's a river and there's children by the river, oh, so many children, all precious in their own way. And I loved the kids. I loved the kids, and they loved to play by the river, and I loved to just watch them. But you have to be careful because you don't want to bump into the kids. You're almost knocking the kids into the river. Megan would be like, it's okay, Jenny. I, I'm not going to knock any kids into the river. Don't you? I don't want anyone to hurt them. They're my friends. I love these kids. Okay, okay, Jenny. I'll try not to bump into them. I mean, I promise I won't bump into them. Let's get you into bed. Give you, give you a nice dose of morphine. You go to sleep. She wasn't only saying these things to Megan. The other workers at the private nursing home had encountered this with Jenny because this went on for a while and the common consensus was she's hallucinating there was no talk of ghosts there was nothing like that they they believed she's hallucinating because there's no kids there's no river and she's doped out of her mind she has a ton of opioids flowing through her veins and she has brain cancer like that has to be doing something to her cognitive abilities it has to be affecting her in some way but they wanted jenny was a great woman they wanted to keep her happy i mean even if she was miserable even if she was awful to be around i don't think they'd be purposely trying to kick invisible children into the river she's like ah ah, my hallucinations no they're dying they're in the last months of their life you're gonna be like okay so they would make sure they kind of tiptoed and followed her path through the room so they wouldn't bump any children they were very careful when they went into Jenny's room at night was the only time that she saw it. She never really talked about it in the morning. Apparently they made sure they were careful to not to bump any of these children into the river. And that made Jenny so happy. A couple months later, I mean, now we're in 2023, right? That, The freakout started in January 2023. We're talking like, at this point, March 2023, she passes away. And just the circle of life, the way everything goes, in April 2023, this month, when I'm recording this, this month, a new resident moves in. They get a new resident, we'll call her Sarah, and she is assigned Jenny's old room. After one week, One week of being in that room. 
Sarah, one night they're all sitting out in the living room and it's time for everyone to shuffle off to bed. And Megan is like, come on, Sarah, let's go back to your room. Sarah's like, nope. I'm not going back in that room. Megan's like, what are you talking about? I mean, she probably said it a little more politely than that, but, and in a British accent. She said, what do you mean? Why don't you want to go back in your room? Like, that's your room. And Sarah goes, there is no way I'm going back in that room. I'm not going back in there. She's starting to get a little frustrated and a little scared. And Megan goes, well, why don't you want to go in that room? And Sarah goes, it's too loud. I, I, can't, I can't sleep. I've been trying to sleep for the past week. It's so loud in that room at night. I can't sleep. And they get so close. They get so close to me when I'm laying in bed. At this point, Megan, she can't figure it out. The house is dead quiet at night. Everyone is sleeping. Who who are you talking? Who's being noisy, Sarah? No one's being noisy. Who's getting close? You're the only one in your room. Who's getting close? And Sarah looks at Megan and says, Jenny. Jenny and those children. They're in the room all night. And they're so loud. All they do is play. All they do is play and laugh. And they're standing by that river. And I can't sleep. And they're always so close to me too. They're just too close. And too loud. I can't go back in that room. Megan said. None of the stuff. She obviously totally freaked her out. Totally freaked out. She goes, none of the staff had mentioned anything about... She goes, I don't even think she knew Jenny's name. But she definitely didn't know anything. Which would make sense, right? Because, again, you wouldn't want... It, it's. I know in America we have HIPAA, right? There's privacy laws. You can't just willy-nilly give out people's medical information. And saying they even stayed at a place can be considered medical information. She goes, she didn't know Jenny's name. She'd only been there for a week. She wasn't familiar with the history of the room. She didn't know anything about the kids in the river. None of the staff mentioned that to her. Why would we? It's terrifying. Plus, actually, no, we just thought it was hallucinations of a dying woman. So you want to be like, hey, this is a pretty nice room, isn't it? By the way, the last person here had dementia caused by cancer eating their brain. Be be careful of the kids. Good night. Like, why would you even bring that up? She goes, the residents didn't say anything to her. She'd only been there for a week. And yet she's describing Jenny and the kids playing by the river and how close they kept getting to her bed while she was trying to sleep and she couldn't sleep. She refused to go back into that room. And what's interesting about this is this post was titled, Please tell me there's a logical explanation for this because now I'm scared to go to work. She goes, I can't go in that room anymore myself. I can't. I can't go in there. No, you go, Jason. The logical answer is someone did tell her this story. A staffer might have mentioned it. Again, it's unlikely that a staffer would because people die and say all sorts of crazy and weird stuff, right? 
You're not going to be like, let me tell you, let me tell you some creepy stories, new resident. As you are also prepared to die in this home, let me tell you stories of true terror. A resident, the, the most she could say is that a resident told her. But again, all of this stuff, Jenny was seeing this stuff at night. She was totally fine during the day. She never really talked about it during the day. Is when they were getting her back in her room is when she brought up the children in the river. But Megan goes, no. Nobody told her anything about this. She saw the kids. She saw the river. She saw Jenny playing with the children at the river. It's a terrifying story on two different levels. One, this idea that we don't know what Jenny's life was like prior to entering this nursing home. We don't know if she had friends or family or anything about her. I, we don't even really know her age. But there's some, you know, we can imagine certain details, this or that. The other thing, assume she had a family of some sort. Assume that she had a life of some sort. It's interesting to think that when she died, she's not spending the afterlife with her loved ones. At a place that she'd spent most of her life, she's actually haunting a place she'd only lived at for a couple of months. In the company of children she only knew for a couple of months. First level is the idea that a soul or a spirit can be trapped in a particular location. I think that's pretty well... I think that's been pretty well established in paranormal lore, right? If If you're murdered in a shack out in the middle of the woods, it's really... We don't know why sometimes the ghost of the murder victim shows up in the shack versus the family, you know, she went to college. She moved 500 miles away from her family to attend this college. And then a rave goes bad and a maniac sticks a knife through her neck, kills her. And now she's haunting this cabin and kids. And they say, Oh, if you go out of that cabin on Thursday nights after 3 AM, you know, you'll see a woman begging for her life is blood shooting out of the wound in her neck. We have ghost stories like that. We also have ghost stories where the same setup, but the night she stabbed, her sister gets a phone call back at home, 500 miles away, and it's being like, hey, sis, I know we didn't always get along, but I want to let you know that I've always loved you. So that would be like the ghost was returning. And then we have ghost stories too, where there's a very like short, almost moment of death haunting and then we'd also have stories where the young woman's ghost would just appear back at the house and be haunting the house that she grew up in with all of her loved ones so we'll have all three different variations even though the setup may be the same it's very interesting battlefields of dead soldiers right ghosts haunt gettysburg ghosts walking across the battlefield very common ghost story we have stories about soldiers coming back home after they were killed in the civil war being seen at their family's home. So what what causes one soul to be in one area and one soul to be in the other? That's interesting in and of itself. Jenny's soul being in this hospice place with these children, what does that mean? You could see it as her soul is living on, life after death. She's pleasant just hanging out with these kids. To me, it sounds far more sinister than that. It almost seems what is generally called a soul trap. 
a soul trap where you create an illusion of an Elysium, a paradise to trap a soul in a particular location and it's being fed off by some darker entity. That's, I, I don't know what, what's going on here, right? I don't even know if the story's true, right? Someone could just post this online. But um, who was it posted by? Let me give him credit real quick. Nurse Bit. Nurse Bit is the one who posted this. Oh, that was their username. It's interesting, though. A soul trap, You a lot of times you hear in connection with uh, near-death experiences. This is a very popular conspiracy theory. We haven't really talked about it on the show, maybe in passing. It's the idea that the tunnel of light, go into the light, that's actually a soul trap. That's these demons, these archons, whatever you want to call them. If you go into the light, you're actually reincarnated back into the prison planet. Reincarnation is a trick to keep you trapped here. If you don't go to the Tunnel of Light, that's when you truly ascend past the Soul Eaters into the true afterlife. I'm actually surprised we've never talked about it on the show. Maybe because I come across it all the time, I figure it's pretty well known. I don't. I think we've talked about Prison Planet theory a bit, but more from an alien perspective rather than... No, we have. We've talked about Loosh and stuff like that. It's kind of that same thing. I'll put those episodes in the show notes. That's what it almost feels like to me. It creates this... Person goes in here, they're dying. It creates a very peaceful scene. Children playing by the river. But now she's trapped there. Now she's also there. And when the new resident Sarah goes, Jenny and the children, it basically signifies that Jenny is appearing as an adult, not as a child at play but as an adult. And that doesn't say she's screaming in torment. She's like, run, Sarah, run. They got to me, but maybe you can break free. No, I just imagine this woman playing with these children. But I mean, that's, I mean, I, kids are fine, I guess. I don't want to spend eternity playing with them, right? Unless I get to push them in the river, that'd be kind of funny. Can you swim, ghost? Can you swim? They're like, oh, I died drowning. This is traumatizing. <laughs> I'm laughing. Um, it feels like a soul trap. It'll be interesting to see. We'll probably never get any update to this story. It's most likely just a throwaway account, honestly. But it'd be interesting if Sarah comes to also love the... Oh, you know, she posted an update. Let me look at this too, but... And, and I'm going to pause you guys for a second. But it'd be interesting to see if Sarah also comes to love the children. Because like, oh no, I love going in that room. The ch Don't step on the children! You almost bumped him into the river, but oh, such, they're so fun. They're so nice to be with. And see if that, if she begins to also want to join the children by the river after she dies, she wants to join them. I'm going to read this real quick. Okay, so this is interesting. Just a little more information here at the ending. She goes, as far as I know, no one ever mentioned Jenny to Sarah. We've kind of talked about that. She goes, this, this kind of... Again, she doesn't feel comfortable going back to work. She goes, I've never had a paranormal experience before. She goes, I, I felt shell-shocked. Felt shell-shocked by when, when, you know, when Jenny was going through it, it was just, you know, unfortunately, it could be a side effect of dying. When Sarah brought it up, totally freaked her out. But she did. She goes, listen, I've researched the area and the building. She goes, it's never been a children's home. It's never been a nursery, a, a school. It hasn't been a hospital. And she goes, there was never a river, never a river through the area. She's done a little bit of extra research. This is fun. This was posted after I had originally read it. You have that idea that it's a soul trap. You have that idea that, again, especially if it's 
didn't used to be a river there and there wasn't a school there. Why are the kids there? The other idea, and this is important as well, is, and we talked about this a couple times on the show, the real life impact of the world of the supernatural. And sometimes we take it to the extreme where it's like, what if you get possessed by a demon and murder your whole family? And the next thing you know, you're in you're in a jail cell strapped down to a restraint chair with a bag over your head because you were biting police officers all the way from the crime scene. And that's when you become lucid again. And it turns out you were possessed and you murdered your entire family and that wasn't enough for you. You went next door and murdered that family as well. And then the cops showed up and you were biting them. And they beat you up with their billy clubs, tased you a couple times, threw you in the back of a patrol car, Next thing you know, you're tied down in a restraint chair. And you go, I don't have any memory of it. And the cops are like, yeah, tell that to the several bite marks in my arm that perfectly match your teeth. But I don't remember that. The people say that all the time. That's such a common excuse. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember the crime. That's the real world and the paranormal combining in the most dramatic way. This one, though, is I don't want to work there anymore. I don't want to have this job anymore. It's too spooky. And that's another way that the world of the paranormal can affect your life. Didn't we cover a story a couple weeks ago about a forklift driver who saw his boss? Oh, yeah, that was creepy. His dead boss started showing up at work the night he died. And then the other someone else said they were in the break room by themselves. And they could feel someone standing behind them watching them. And I was like, that would suck to have a ghost boss, right? Everybody, you know, your breaks might run a little bit long or you might take a break and then go, hey, I need a bathroom break. You're holding it in the whole time on your break. You're like, oh, I want to save this until after my official break. Then I'll go to the bathroom for 10 more minutes. You have a ghost watching you. This is another way that the world of the paranormal can directly affect your life by making you not want to do things you need to do or even things you want to do. Yesterday we talked about a guy who was playing video games and his dad's soul may be trapped in the ultimate gaming PC. How did I not make a Lawnmower Man joke that episode? It's weird because we think of the world of paranormal causing these extreme reactions like demonic possessions, but just day-to-day stuff. We did that episode about that woman whose house was haunted and she goes, I can't even sell the home, not because it's haunted, but because the paranormal activity drains me so much. I, I don't even want to like start making phone calls to sell the home. I'm trapped. It's fascinating. I love doing this show, and I, I know I've ended so many episodes recently saying I love telling stories like this, but I, especially when we start to see the pieces get fit together, like all of those episodes have kind of been one-off stories, but we do start to see this pattern emerge of day-to-day life being affected by the world of the paranormal. And what makes it even worse, and we see it all over these stupid subreddits, is people saying, you're crazy. You're crazy, you're making it up, you're insane, this is all just for attention, blah, blah, blah. And they're dealing with real stuff. She doesn't want to go to work. This is where she makes extra money. It's not her main job, but she obviously needs or wants some extra cash, but imagine that commute. Imagine going to a job where not you just don't like, but you're scared of. And you're sitting there, you're doing your job at this nursing home, 
and you're dreading the sun going down. You're acting like a child in a way. You don't want it to get dark. And maybe you've talked to other staff members. Hey, uh, I was wondering, could you do the Sarah thing tonight? Could you walk Sarah into the room? Oh, come on, Megan. I'm scared too. I don't want to do it either. It's your job. Uh. And this idea, right, where she has to still go through the motions and be a professional caregiver and help these people in their final days, but at the same time is watching that clock, fearful of when it's time to put everyone to bed. And I do think, I do think one of these nights she will be walking Sarah into that room and Sarah will not be scared to go in there. I think one of these nights, Megan will be walking Sarah in and Megan's like, oh my God, please don't freak out about the kids. Please don't say you don't want to go in here because the kids are so loud. Please don't, <laughs> please don't mention Jenny again. I can't deal with it. It's so spooky. And one of these nights, Megan and Sarah are going to be walking into the room and Sarah's going to be like, my friends, children, I've returned. It's been so long. Jenny, Jenny, always smiling, smiling with the children. Someday me and Jenny and the children will all play by the river. Someday, Sarah says as she crawls into bed. Someday soon, I'll be playing by the river with them all. If Megan thinks she's scared now, things can get a lot worse. Because after Sarah passes away, how could you put someone else in that room knowing what was in there? In the world of the paranormal, innocence is deceptive. Predators appear as prey. And any mistake that a human makes when dealing with the paranormal can have eternal consequences. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.